Thank you so much for who you are and for your love. And I pray, Lord, that you have something this you have something here for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict us, uh, will encourage us, Lord, to just to uh, seek you and seek, seek your presence in us, no matter where we are, what we're doing, what we're thinking, Lord, that we can just focus on you right now, Lord, and what you have for us in this message. I pray that your anointed fall upon me to preach it, this message, and bring you glory and honor. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and, and amen. All of us here have gone through or are going through some troubled times. I mean, tr- trouble is going gonna, is gonna to find us. If it hasn't found you, I don't want to discourage you, it will find you in time. Well, and you can share, we all have stories to tell of how, where we were, or how God has helped us, or maybe not helped us in your, in your view, uh, when you went through your issues in your life. I guess we all have them. The, the question is, is how we, how we can find God in them, and how we can grow through them. That is the most important thing, I believe. I've learned through my own experiences, since I'm probably the young, oldest one here, that I've learned a lot in my experiences of, well, well I'm going to leave that right there. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've lost parents when I was 12 and 13, and I've had when I lost my mom. My dad went first and then my mom. And uh, when I lost my mom, who was really my anchor in my life, my mom is still my mom, and, and we were very close. I was her youngest. And when she died, I cried. And I heard some relatives say, don't cry. And I went through my teenage years, whatever, with, with so much pain in my heart that um, it, I was a different person than I am now because out of this pain, I didn't care about much of anything except for my sports. But I thank God for that because that kept me in school and it kept me motivated enough at least to stay eligible. And uh, so I've learned that through then the loss of a child, um, I've learned some important lessons about overcoming some of life's obstacles. I've learned how to trust Jesus to help me process and deal with bitterness and disappointments in my life. We are living in a broken world. As you all know, this world is broken, and we are living in a culture that is full of deception, greed, division, pain, and is morally corrupt. But our problems and our, our, our world where we are today give us opportunities to grow in faith and strengthen our resolve. That is so important. It is you praise God when you go through some of your issues because God can help strengthen your faith. 
That's the purpose of going through. Did not Jesus say, in this world you have problems, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. That is so true. For those of you who have gone through some of your problems and you've asked Jesus to walk with you in them, you come out of that stronger than ever before. Amen? That's the way God intended it to be. So we're going to be looking this morning at Psalm 77. It's a very interesting psalm because it's, it's dealing with the psalmist who's going through some doubt and troubled time, trouble times in his life. So my first, we're going to break this down uh, really almost uh, block by block in terms of scripture. The first thought is the, the soul of darkness, verses 1 through 3. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God. I groaned, I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. Here the psalmist is experiencing some darkness within his soul. He was having some doubt. Verse 1, he cries out to God for help. Verses 2 and 3, he was overwhelmed and troubled as darkness descends upon him. Don't believe for one second that being a born-again Christian means Perpetual good health, wealth, happiness, and prosperity. None of that. I mean, I'm sorry. God does bless us. There's no doubt about that. But don't build your theology on prosperity theology. You will, you will find you will be discouraged, and somewhere along the line you will be hurt big time. I am just want to share that with you um, because I think it's so important. But it's through, it, 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 God doesn't promise. He promises that we'll have problems. He probably, probably, probably promises that more than anything else. One problem leads to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. We find that in our everyday lives. We find that in church. You know, I had a professor once told me, that the church is one problem waiting to be solved, then another problem comes along. And that seems to be in every church, every church. In particular, you look at small churches. And I think we're, we're talking about, you know, small churches. Uh, I think we were talking a little bit uh, earlier. And small churches are very difficult to minister in a small church. It's very difficult to be in a small church as a believer. Small churches tend to, and it's hard to keep things up. It's hard to keep things jiving and, and alive, whatever, because by, by virtue of being in a small church. I say this because I was talking to Chris a little bit about this, just a little conversation. And he hit the nail right on the head. Sometimes we forget, as Christians, we forget our priority. We saying Jesus is all we need. At the end of the day, Jesus is all we need. If you, <coughs> excuse me, if we, if we are to depend on Chris to keep us up, to keep us moving in faith, or Dewey, or Jan, or Susan, 
Maria, Becca, we're going to be disappointed. I've been a Christian longer than probably than most of you. And one thing I've learned about in my faith, <coughs> I can remember the days when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit and God was all over us. And I expected miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and we were in a church that was dead. I'm talking about flat-out dead. They were dead, and they didn't know it. And so, so we were ragging on the pastor, ragging on the, the staff, because there was no spirituality there. And that was true. That was, that was the true part. They preached a social gospel. But we were so on fire for Christ. But in that process, we made a ton of mistakes. Because we let our enthusiasm take over. And as you grow in your faith, I guarantee you, as you grow in your faith, the longer you're in your faith, the more God's going to bring you balance in your life. Because you can't stay on that mountain. You have to come down. You have to live. If you try to stay in that mountain, you will be deceived and you'll be... Uh, You'll be frustrated, and that will weaken your faith. See, my point about all that is, 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 sounds like Bill Clinton, but I'm not going to go beyond that. That's not. You know, and that is to find to be, to be high in Jesus, yet to be mellow in Jesus. You know, I... I believe it's so important in churches. We, live in, we have a churches today that are so much into program and into uh, the bells and whistles. We need that. We need good music. We need this. We need, but there has to be a point in time where you say, at the end of the day, I just need Jesus to sustain me and keep me balanced. We were involved in a church for a while, or my, and my family was, where before the worship service start, started, they had smoke coming up from the stage. You know, then you hear the music and the smoke and the lights and whoa, you know, it was a big production. That didn't last. That group broke up. It's all about Christ. I think the question always is, why am I here? In my home church, being born again, I stopped and God said, when you go to church, rather than com complaining about that pastor, find something about me in there. You're looking towards someone else, and you're not looking to me. Find something in that church that you can worship, that you can praise me for. I was young. I was so young and I was so sure that this guy was from Satan. That he couldn't teach me anything because he's not of the Lord. God put me in my place. You know? I, I how can I say that? To me, it's an excuse. When people leave church, they say, well, I didn't get anything out of it. It's got to be, we, we want to blame someone else. It's got to be the music. Oh, the music was terrible today. Wasn't. You know, or the past, oh my goodness, he was so bad today. 
But that's Satan working in you, and that's not what God wants. Because God wants you to know and me to know it's all about him, regardless of what we do, where we are, where we're going, the pains we're going through, it's still all about him. It's not about me. One day you're going to get a younger pastor in here. Oh, now we're going to really get going. Now we're going to do this. Well, guess what? It's not the pastor that does it. It's not, at the end of the day, it's not the music that does it. It's Christ in your heart. If Christ is not in your heart, then you're going to have a bad attitude. If Christ is not in your heart, you can have the greatest pastor in the world, the number one preacher in the world up here, and it's not going to mean anything if your heart isn't right with Jesus Christ. We don't have to drum up enthusiasm. The Holy Spirit should give that to us naturally. Whenever I'm down, I think of Jesus. Then I'm high. I'm high in Him because it's all about Him. Not you or me, but Him. Okay, I'm yelling a little bit, but who cares? It's all about Him. One problem after another. You have problems, I have problems. But I know that my Jesus can handle my problems. I know that. I felt his presence time and time and time again in my problems. And you know that as well. So what I'm saying is not, not unfamiliar to you. But he does promise to give us strength, grace, and mercy to prevail. He gives us hope. Human consternation, verses 4 through 6. You keep my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. My spirit asked. The psalmist was in a tough place. He couldn't speak. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't keep his eyes open. So what does he do? He turns to the glory old, the old days, the glory days. And we're not talking here about the glory days sung by, who's that uh, rock and roll guy, Bruce, Bruce, the boss, they used to call him? Springsteen, you know, glory days, remember that song? Glory days, glory days. He's going back to his high school days and whatever. Have you ever been there? You want to go back to the glory days. Sometimes when we're down, we want to go back to the glory days because that's what makes us feel good. But how ridiculous is that? To live off the old glory days. That's not the glory days that the psalm was talking about here. Have you ever been back to a class reunion? You know? I don't care. I mean... I've done my class reunions for years. I'm talking about many class reunions. And it seems like we want to talk about the glory days. Dude, they're over. They're over. I got a good friend of mine who I competed against in sports umpteen years ago. You guys weren't even a fault. But I competed with this guy, and we became friends and whatever. You know what we talk about? Glory days. Oh, I remember, and I'm telling you, if you're, if you're a track and field person, it's like you're a fisherman. The stories, they get so distorted. 
Unbelievable. And I hear this, and Jan can, she's listening sometimes. My buddy said, you know something, if we would have had this kind of a track like they have, to, have today, why, I could have cut my time by five-tenths of a second. Or, or me, I'd say, yeah, yeah. I said, I was a long jumper. That was my thing. I said, yeah. I said, I used to run down that runway dodging gopher holes. I said, now they got these all-weather tracks, nice and smooth. I probably could have added another, probably a foot to my jump. Glory days. Sometimes we want to stay there. It's not bad to kind of reminisce, but you know, that's not the psalmist here. He was talking about the songs of God in the night. He was rejoicing where he was rejoicing concerning God's favor in his life and his intervention, even in the midst of his struggles. He was still there. He was meditating, searching to understand God's ways. The glory day should be in Christ. When we're down, when things aren't going well, we need to just meditate on God's ways. That is it. Stay there. Stay there and stay there. If you're still not out of it, you're still in a bad way, get back to him. Stay with him. Find your joy in him. Find your fulfillment in him. Because you can't find it in other things. I can tell you that right now. You know, some of you youngins out there, you know, it's not about getting the pool. It's not about getting the promotion, which is nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. But you find as you get older, you start to appreciate different things. And you find out as you get older that you're closer to the end than you are at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? You know? And we have our share of friends who are thinking about the glory days of old because they're not doing well. Our best friends that mentored Jan in the faith, she's a shell of who she wants. She's, her mind is gone. That's hard on Jan. Other friends are going through some of the issues. We're going, God, God. You know, we see our friends going through these things, and we get down, but then we say, God, now we need your help. We need you to pick us up. We need to find your glory in this. We need to find that. We need to find, and that's what we do. We keep going back to God. Go back to God no matter what it is for you. Go back to him. If you're down and you say life is a bummer, go back to Christ. How can any of us, in good conscience, how can, we, how can we stay down when we have a Savior that loves us so much? Answer that question for me. You know, I don't... Just answer that for me. How do you do it? You can't. It's all about Christ. It's all about Him. One day, we're not going to be here. I'm talking about Jan, myself. But we know that the church is going to go on because God has another plan, another level for it to go. But let me just say this. If you are waiting for that next level, you are wrong. You are flat wrong. Then you're not worshiping your God the way he wants you to worship him because God is God of the now. 
We're to worship him now. Don't worry about Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. It's about here and now, the present. The present. A couple weeks ago, we had Pastor Drew came to our church for worship service. And I talked to him a little bit. Pastor to pastor. I know the look. I've seen it before. I've seen it in, in many pastors. You're trying to be up, but it's a bummer. Well, we're kind of suspending uh, services for a while to kind of figure out, you know, you know, you know, trying to figure out what God wants us to do. You know what that sounds like? He's right. He's absolutely right. It's like the girl that turns you down for a date. You know, you got this girl that you really thought, oh, man, I really want, always wanted to date her, but uh, you ask her and she's, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I think I'm busy this week. You, know, you, you can go through that, I'm busy this week once. I said, well, what about the following Saturday? Oh, no, no, that's my sister's wedding or something. It hurts. It hurts. But then my counsel would be to any pastor that when it's hurting, when you, they have to close your doors for, due to whatever the reasons why, don't forget Christ. Don't forget that he's in it. He's there. You've got to keep looking at him. Otherwise, Satan's going to beat you up. He's going to turn you upside down. Amen? amen? And amen. So life is good. Remember $19. Family Life Church, $19. Remember when you feel down, we say, oh, man, let's see. We're, so many people are gone away. Think of $19. What God has done in this church. This church, amen, Mike was, was on the board and doing whatever, and I personally can tell you that a group of pastors in our fellowship area had this church written off. Done. Never make it impossible. That's what they told me when they came over here five years ago. No way. And they lift, lifted, listed all of the reasons why, even to the sound booth back there that needed painting. <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. So what happens, I didn't know at the time when they came here, then I discovered a huge debt. So here you go. You go to a church that most pastors think, well, they're done. They need to turn the lights out. So you get over that, and then you go to the books, and you see all the debt. My goodness, God. This is a problem. We can't squeeze two nickels together. But there's a group in this church that said no. We're not going to listen to the, to the naysayers. We're not going to listen to them. We're going to follow the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Is it going to get ugly? Yes. Building the church gets very, very ugly at times. That's when people say, well, I don't know. I don't think, eh, uh, you know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because 
there, this isn't happening. If we, if the, if the apostles would have done that, back in back in New Testament, we, we wouldn't have a church. I'm hoping to cheer you guys up, not to tear you down, to get your eyes back focused on Christ. Because whenever problems come, when doubts creep in, you have to go back to Christ. Because he will put it all in perspective. Okay? Now, now that this, the, the psalm is all revved up, he's got doubts, he's going through a mess, his life is in anguish, then he turns and he, and he talks about questions. I labeled this one, number three, a battery of questions, verses 7 through 9. Will the, Lord, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he, in anger, withheld his compassion? These series are rhetorical questions, folks. They do not imply that God isn't unloving, that God is unloving and doesn't keep his promises. As he faced heartache, the psalmist asked honest, heartfelt questions. There's got to be a better way. God, there's got to be a better way to build a church. There's got to be a better way to bring in an old guy. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And don't we ask that question ourselves? Don't we? When things aren't going well, there's got to be a better way. But the psalmist knew, even in his doubt, he knew that God was the better way. He knew it. He knew it. Wow. He was just simply turning to his God in the midst of his questions. He already knew the answers. Number four, all is not lost. He cried out to God in verses 10 through 15. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your eyes, God, are holy. What God is great is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. How many of you keep a, a journal, a spiritual journal? Nobody? Okay, come on, we'll give them a journal. Okay, two, Jan. We have two, Kate does, Maria, Jan, anybody else? I'm not telling you, I don't keep one. Oh, this suit, that, okay. Okay, Tasha does, okay. I don't personally, but I encourage you to journal. Jan journals, now, um, if you can do the math on this one. She's journaled since she became a born-again Christian, so she has well over 50 journals. And I don't mean that as a negative for Jan, but we have journals for journals for journals. Do you ever go back to your journals? Why? Remember, that's right, to remember what God has done. The psalmist remembers God's mercy is greater 
than the anguish he is going through. Verse 11, I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. He remembers God's mighty acts. Then he talks about, in verse 12, about meditating on his mighty deeds. But where is God's way? Where is God's work to be known? That's always the key for all of us. Where is God's way and his work to be known? When we go through our stuff, when we are in that valley, in that force of darkness, we ask, why, God, where am I going? What, what, what's going on here? What can I do? How can I change this? The answer is found here in verse 13. God's ways are holy. We experience his promises when we seek his holiness. How do we find his holiness? We find it in church. We find it in the message. We find it in the music, in the worship. We find it fellowshipping with Christian friends. That's why I encourage small groups. I encourage, if you don't have a small group, find your Christian friends. We find it in our personal devotions. We find it in prayer. Verses four, verse 14. God is a great miracle worker. 17, he's redeemer. To sum up, God is sovereign redeemer who performs signs and wonders. Therefore, we should expect God to respond. We should expect God in Christ to deliver us, to save us, to heal us, and empower us, especially during our hard times. Often we wait. You know, it's so easy to follow Christ when things are going well, isn't it? It's so easy when God is good and, you know, everything is great, the family's good, health's good, job's great, everything is got great friends. It's easy to love God when things are going well. But guess what? In this world, you'll have trouble. Jesus' words, but take heart for I have overcome the world. If you are up there and it's going great for you, look out because Satan's going to get in there somehow and he's going to knock you down. That's what he does. I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I assume that could be a good thing. Recalling God's power, number five. This is the last one. Verses 16, 16 through 20. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you, and they what? They rithed. You know what that means? They rithed. That's an interesting word. It means like turmoil. It means like, here's another way of putting it. If you see something grotesque that happened, you go, oh, oh, that was just terrible. That's what really basically what that means. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. 
Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your foot, footprints were not seen. You led your people like a rock. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. Would you play some uh, music please? Thank you very much. So. What was going on here? He recalled God's mighty act of parting the Red Sea. That's, understand that. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. In verses 18, 16 and 18, he describes God's power in nature. The clouds poured out water. Lightning and thunder lit up the world. The earth trembled. And God parted and made a path into the Red Sea. Now for about, ooh, for about 20, 25 minutes, I've been talking about God's signs and water, wonders. That's what the psalmist is talking about, God's mighty signs and wonders. Then we come to this last section and where God is parting the Red Sea for the Israelites. Big in the history, we know that. The festival they celebrate every year, God's parting the Red Sea. That great miracle that God had done. Here's my question for you this morning. What spiritual resources what spiritual resources that I've talked about here in these past few minutes, what spiritual resources do you use to confront your problems? What spiritual resources do you use when you're going through your issues, your fears, your anxieties, your pain, your frustrations, your doubts? Where are your resources? Church, where are your resources? The Bible cries out for us cries out for us to look, to read, and apply the resources, God's mighty acts in your life. How can we not? All the stuff that you've gone through in your life, if Jesus has delivered you, how can you not go back and tap into those resources to change you, to heal you, to build you up in his glory. God's mighty acts go far beyond taking the right medications. God's mighty acts go far beyond, you know, going to a professional counselor. Try dealing with your problems through prayer. Right? We know that. You know that. Then don't forget it. Try dealing with your problems through prayer. And, and the memories of how God worked in you in the past. That's why it's so important to go back and remember the things that God has done for you in the past. And then to remember what God in Christ has done for you and all 
all of the miracles that we find in the Bible, in history. He's done that for all of us. We have so much information, so much, so much knowledge of Christ and his works. That should keep us here all the time. We should be jumping over that petition there, what Christ has done for us. If God can rev up an old man, he can rev up you. Let him do it. Open your heart to him in your life right now. Don't wait. Do it now. You're going through your problems. Do it now. Seek him. Seek his face. Seek his power. Seek it now. Seek it now. Seek what that God is holy. God is holy and he's protecting us and he's loving us and he's guiding, he's strengthening us. If you're caught, if you're caught in this, in the wheel of fear, doubt, or whatever it is, then you need to go back to the creator time and time and time again. You know, pastor, I've been there. I No, go back again. Go back and get on your knees until God gives you what he wants to give you. A healing. That's what he wants. But sometimes we have to go through our process to get it. But it's during that process that we can grow so dramatically, you know, in our faith. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? What? He did what God did 4,000 years ago, what God did 2,000 years ago, what God did 1,000 years ago, what God did 100 years ago, what God did a week ago, and what God did yesterday, He can do today. He can do today. He can heal you today. Whatever you're going through, He can heal you. He can deliver you. Today, today, let these truths encourage you when those, when your dark moments creep in, let them encourage you. Trust, trust in God's faithfulness and his mighty deeds. Trust. He will never, ever, ever let you down. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father. I know that some here today are in pain. That they need a special touch from you. And I pray, Lord, that you help them not to be discouraged, but fill them with encouragement. Fill them with your hope. Fill them with memories of your, of days gone by where you've ministered to them and healed them and brought them through. 
Jesus, you're wonderful. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your wonders will flow through your mighty acts. Every person here today, whether they are struggling, whatever it might be for them, that your mighty acts will be revealed in their hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.